Hi, this is Dion Bake from Butler Mortgage. We're currently ranked the number one mortgage brokerage in Ontario and number two in Canada. And much of our success is due to the fact that we help clients acquire multiple investment properties. If you'd like to talk with a mortgage advisor who specializes in investment property, you can reach me at 888-684-8326. To learn more about what's going on in the world of investment property financing, check out episode 23 of the Breakthrough Podcast, where I discuss the topic with Robin Sandy. Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast, episode 102. If you're looking for the skills and tools to succeed in real estate investing, you've come to the right place. This show is about breaking through barriers, breaking through limiting beliefs, and breaking through to the life that you want to live through the power of real estate investing. This is the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Rob Brake and Sandy McKay. Welcome, everyone, and thanks for joining us again. Hey, Sandy, how are you? Hey, Rob, I'm awesome. Yourself? Very, very good. Um, looking forward to this interview. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, we've got it. Got a great guest standing by. We're excited. Uh, we'll get to that in just a minute. Uh, start through the, the housekeeping items again. As always, want to encourage everyone to go over to our website, BreakthroughREIPodcast.ca, and uh, you can listen to every episode. You can comment on the episodes. You can download our free report there, The Ultimate Strategy for Building Wealth Through Real Estate, uh, which will also get you on our email list and get you updates on all of our episodes, all of our events. Um, street tours, uh, all bunch, a whole bunch of stuff, a whole bunch of added value there that you don't want to miss out on. So go over and get on the list there and get that free report at the same time. It's pretty much anything you could possibly want to know about us. Really. A lot. There's a lot. Yeah. yeah. And Sandy writes on there, whatever he's getting dressed in that day. <laughs> That'll be on there. Color socks on the day and things like that. How your cat's feeling. Yeah. <laughs> How's your cat feeling right now? I was hearing her meow or him meow a couple minutes ago. No, nah, she's gone. She's gone. <laughs> she's gone. She's not going to be rudely interrupting us. Hope not. <laughs> Hope not. Um, so how are things? Things are fantastic. You know, we're getting in the prime time to be buying properties, right? End of the year. So I think uh, that's, the, that's the message we're putting out there to, to our clients and ourselves and, uh, and everyone else we talk to is it's a good time to be buying. So end of the year, people are asleep at the wheel, busy with other things. And um, we've noticed in the years past, there's a little less competition, uh, some opportunities to be had. So um, we're going we're gonna to focus on buying a few things before the end of the year. How about yourself? Yeah, I find the same thing too. And uh, November is always my, my busiest month, whether it's, well, it must be, it must be just that market, right? Or it must be that people are saying, okay, if I'm going to buy my property this year, it needs to be now because Christmas is coming. And, you know, as soon as December hits, things slow down quite a bit. So yeah, it's, it's definitely prime buying time in our markets as well. Mm -hmm. The uh, Christmas, Christmas music starting to play. The snow is starting to show up here and there and people are going to, people are not going to be in the house buying mode for the most part. So my um, wife is already decorating for Christmas. Yeah. It's literally like three days after Halloween or something like that. I don't know. So it's right now. And uh, yeah, there's already Christmas stuff going up to get us all into the spirit. So I don't mind. Uh, one, last thing I wanted to, one last thing I want to mention too, is that uh, people should hop on over to iTunes as well and leave us a rating and review. 
Uh, five-star reviews always help us out a lot. Get the show recognized and, uh, and out there for more people to consume and be able to learn from all of the uh, interesting, exciting, knowledgeable guests that we have on, just like the one that we have today. What a segue. Yeah, there you Collins go. Is here with us. How are you, Brady? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks a lot for having me. And so uh, Brady and his, uh, his wife, Christy, they've, they started BK Real Estate Investing in 2014. And at that point, they realized you know, the wealth and freedom that could be had in real estate investing. And by mid-2018, they had purchased and renovated over 75 properties. So uh, it took, took some pretty heavy action there. And throughout the journey, they created and perfected strategies and systems to make renovations, uh, co-venture partnerships, and property management run smoothly. And uh, uh, BK Real Estate Investing has won a bunch of awards, 2015, 2017, 2018, Reigns Top Player of the Year Award, 2017, uh, they were Canadian Real Estate Wealth Joint Venture of the Year Award, and 2017, Rain Co-Venture of the Year Award, and probably some others in there, but those are some of the big ones. And so congratulations on those uh, accolades and welcome to the show, uh, Brady. Glad to have you on. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. I'm looking forward to chatting with you guys and uh, sharing some well, some knowledge. Yeah, Brady, thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Um, I guess let's start the way we always do. Tell us how you got started in real estate investing. Yeah, so Sandy was saying uh, we started, we actually met a guy, and a lot of people will know Andrew Brennan. And uh, so my wife's a real estate appraiser. I was working for Hydro One at the time. So I was actually teaching the guys how to climb trees, climb and rope uh, trees around the hydro lines. So we were looking for something more and uh, just happened that Christy was doing an appraisal for Andrew and we didn't know him or knew, know of him. Uh, and she's like, oh, hey, I recognize you. What do you do? And he said, well, you know, I'm a full-time real estate investor and I've got, she's like, well, how many properties do you have? And he's like, he said he had, turns out he had 88 doors, right? And he's like, yeah, I bought 16 of those this year and it was only June. And she's like, mind blown, right? She's like, my husband's going to love to talk to you. So she came in the car, told me about this. I wrote down literally on my notepad, you know, th you know, um, 44 duplexes times 300,000 equals this. How much cash flow, how much mortgage pay down, how, how much appreciation this guy's making. I'm like, he's making almost a million bucks a year. So that's when the light went off. Um, and so that was in 2014. We ended up meeting with Andrew, realized, you know, that we didn't know anything about uh, real estate investing. Meanwhile, we had two income properties kind of by accident, but so we really uh, saw the light and started educating ourselves, listening to your podcast. Uh, you know, this was four or five years ago. Um, reading all the real estate investing in Canada, Canada books, uh, Christy joined rain. We were doing all the meetups and, and, uh, in 15, we did one property kind of figured out our strategy. So that was to buy, convert it to a duplex or second suite, refinance it and, uh, and then rent it out. And so that first property, uh, went fairly well. And that was kind of like what, that's when we decided that that was our strategy. Actually that was in 14, sorry. And then, yeah, from there, we, you know, just basically tried to scale that strategy, you know, as much as we could over the years. But uh, yeah, that's ultimately how we got started. It was basically one conversation. I made a post about that uh, today. One conversation literally changed our life. Mm -hmm. Cool. And Andrew's a, a friend of the show, a past guest uh, early on, eh, Rob? Wow. Maybe in the yeah. first 10. Yeah, he was one of the first ones. And we do have uh, plans to have him on again. So you should be hearing from yeah. him again soon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, awesome. So what, what strategies do you employ and why? You touched on so, it. Let's dive deeper on that. Yeah, so we, uh, we've stick, stuck to the basics or stuck to our strategy. Our theory is uh, stick to one strategy, perfect 
expect it and uh, especially at the start. So that's what we've done. We've, we've, so we primarily buy single family homes, convert them to legal second suites, uh, refinance them and then rent them. And, and obviously throughout the years, depending on cash flow, uh, capital uh, requirements, you know, to continue to continue to buy or just personal uh, cash flow, uh, we've had to sell some. So, you know, depending on the year, some years we sold a lot more than others, but generally they're all turnkey legal second suites was, was what we were creating. Um, now we are ex kind of, uh, again, looking to scale. And one way we can do that is still to renovate, uh, but to add more units to a building. So we're, we're buying some stuff that we're converting into triplexes and fourplexes, as well as buying some uh, five to 10 unit buildings where we're not necessarily creating them, but we are doing cash for keys to uh, deal with the tenants, um, renovating all the units in the entire building, uh, getting top rents, and then going back to the bank uh, with the higher net operating income and to refinance uh, that way to pull out the equity. So those are primarily the two strategies uh, you know, that we've used. We, we, we've, we've done a couple single family flips uh, as kind of an alternative option when things didn't go as planned. Um, uh, but yeah. That's, uh, those are the strategies we generally employ. So quickly, let's go off on a tangent there. You said you uh, turned to a flip and things didn't go as planned. So tell us about those things that didn't go as planned and why you, the strategy changed along with it. Yeah, so was, one was actually more recent. Uh, we literally closed on it a week and a half ago. So it was uh, a property in Barrie near, uh, near the lake. And it was a great, I was really excited about it, near, literally a block away from the lake, two minute walk from the lake. So little, you know, again, you're always going to learn something no matter how many properties you've done. I went to apply for the building permit, submitted the drawings. They said, okay, well, because it's in the flood, the, um, the floodplain, the Lake Simcoe Conservation Authority's floodplain, you, all, you need to get their great uh, blessing first. Mm -hmm. So I applied to them. On the drawings, they saw a second unit entrance. And she's, the lady said, oh, by the way, if you plan to put a second suite in there, it's not permitted. And I'm like, oh, man, like you know, do you just try to take the, se the second unit off the drawing and resubmit it? But, you know, I figured chances are they're going to catch us. So um, we're just like, no, what, what are our exit strategies? Again, multiple, it's kind of one of the things you want to try to think about anytime is, you know, if plans don't go as, as planned, what other options do you have? So the only other option for this property was to convert it to a, well, just turn it into a single family flip. So that's, end up, that's what we ended up doing. Um, generally, a single family flip costs us a lot more to renovate than a, a duplex conversion because the finishes generally need to be a little bit nicer. Um, and uh, at the end of the day, we like it profited like $15,000 and it took three months longer than it should have or four months. So all in all, it wasn't a loss, but uh, nonetheless, a learning, uh, learning experience for sure. Um, yeah. And a lot of municipalities do have like a, a, a GIS um, tool where you can go on now. You're probably aware of it now. Um, I am. Where, yeah. Where you can <laughs> yeah. look up floodplain because that's something that'll stop anybody in their tracks quicker than <laughs> quicker than anything else. Cause yeah. Conservation authority. Um, you know, I had a friend of mine who bought something and the way that it worked around here was that up until a certain point, the applications never went to the conservation authority. And then one day they decided, you know what, that's going to be part of our process. We're going to send all the applications through the conservation authority and they're going to have the final say on it. Well, when that started happening, there was a lot of applications that were coming back, you know, no. And so the initial, um, 
initially you try to fight it right and um you know attempts to do that have proven futile <laughs> yeah so let's just say um it's it it's not even worth your time to look at anything inside floodplain it's a very important thing to to take into account when buying something yeah absolutely <clears throat> Uh, and Brady, do you focus? Is it all in one, all in Barry? Is it all around Barry? Where, where, where do you actually uh, invest? What locations? So we we focus a lot in Barry. Uh, obviously, it's the largest center, and where we are, you know, it's kind of like the hub of the growth, kind of like Toronto. Barry is in Toronto. Um, so from Barry, we we go outside into Midland, uh, Collingwood, Aurelia, and uh, into Penetang. So the the larger of the, the municipalities of around Barry. Um, well, the reason we went outside of Barry primarily, uh, initially was, was just the scalability and the, our ability back in 2016, 17, primarily 17, when the, like the real estate market was booming, you know, things on, there wasn't tons of, uh, pr like properties on the market. And we, we, that year we did 32 properties to sort of find that volume of good deals. We had to look outside of Barry and, and I'm really glad we did actually, because, uh, the other towns have done really, really well. Uh, since it's amazing that's almost almost three a month yeah yeah the average from since we've started was about three a month i actually did the math there the other day very very cool yeah let's talk about uh joint ventures and uh and and how you've helped that build your real estate portfolio um can you tell us a little bit about that and how you help create win-win partnerships with that sure yeah, so we do utilize 80% 80, 80 of the deals that we do are through uh, joint ventures. Um, and so we've been, we started this back in 2015 um, was when we, we, we really started growing our business. So we, we just to step back a little bit, just to show why we went, got into joint ventures. Um, so when we first started, Christy and I refinanced two of our primary or two properties. One was a primary residence and then another one was a, an investment property. And that came... Uh, gave us $150,000. So that was, so we started buying, we converted them to duplexes, refinanced them. And, uh, and so we we're able to do four properties uh, from April on to the later on that year. And we knew we were going to run out of money. So we started offering our services before we ran out of money to joint venture partnerships. And by then we had already uh, created systems and processes and, and we looked like a business. So it actually attracted uh, the investors fairly quickly. And, and we started with, you know, our friends and family and, and uh, you know, home inspectors and mortgage reps and stuff like that. People that knew and were watching what we were doing fairly closely. Um, so, you know, our joint venture st structure is no different than most people. It's 50-50 uh, where the investor provides the purchase money as well as the renovation money. And they qualify for the, the, mor the mortgage independently. Um, and then we do joint venture agreements to, to um, protect, protect both sides. Um, yeah, so it, it works out fairly well. So again, we, if we, when we implement the strategy that we buy, convert to a legal second suite, generally in Barry or, or area, it might cost the investor about $75,000 to purchase and um, about sixty dollars to $70,000 to reno. And by when we refinance, we're at all but twenty dollars to $30,000 back. On a right? typical duplex, right? On a duplex conversion, generally, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Walk what? us through the numbers, though. What is the, what is the purchase price, and then what's the refi value and that kind of thing? Yeah. Okay. So, um, generally, the purchase price. We ha well, we haven't purchased over three eighty five uh, in Barry. So, uh, 
Yeah, so it's three sixty-five to three eighty-five as the purchase price. Renovation is sixty to seventy-five thousand uh, dollars, and then refinance um, are coming in five thirty-five, five forty-five. Very good. Yeah. Very yeah. good. And and these aren't properties like we'll buy you know two like old some older two bedroom homes that the dining room can be converted into a three bedroom so maybe like 850 to 900 square feet um and you know and they're coming into five at 530 so we're getting get, getting good value in the refinances i love that and i love that strategy of finding the two bedrooms because they are generally cheaper and you can add that third bedroom uh, i've found uh, a lot of people doing that a lot of value there where especially if you know there's a nice big eat-in kitchen area right yeah so you end up with no no dining room right at the end of the day that's correct yeah so it's kind of like a, an open concept kitchen living room and dining room all together. yeah yeah only downside on those uh, you know is just the maybe on resale they might not get that family that's going to live upstairs right um and and house hacker or whatever they want to do but you know still regardless if there's is there's value there that you can't find otherwise it's a great strategy yeah. You know, yeah. The other thing that you can do too is um, whenever we do that, we're just putting up a, a wall. We're not attaching it to the floor or the ceiling. So basically we're just attaching it wall to wall to block that off, make it a bedroom. And then later, you know, trimming it out. The corners are obviously taped, whatever, but the, you can easily remove those walls. And then we haven't damaged the floor or the ceiling. We're just fixing up the walls. And now, now you resale. I mean, Sandy, if that's what you're concerned about at that point, you can always just take the wall out. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I'm just playing devil's advocate. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'd be. I'm. You know what? I so over the years we've flipped probably about thirty properties, and, and most of them are legal second suites. And I can't remember one property up here that's actually gone to an owner occupied, mm-hmm. um, which I'm kind of surprised about because I mean, if I was a first time home buyer looking to get into the market and I couldn't at the moment, I think you know a legal second suite would help qualify. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But how do you know for sure though, too? How do you know who's buying it? Oh, um, you think up there there should be a lot of well, uh, first-time I, buyers, right, buying that stuff? You know what? Well, because we we rent them fully. Well, we sell them fully occupied. Right. Ah, so, so that's yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we've had a few inquiries where they said, okay, if we bought it, you know, how could we get the tenants out, or could we have the top unit vacant? But yeah, it actually not once has that happened. I'm surprised, but. So do you go into those purchases with uh, two plans, the two exit plans sort of like refinance and hold or flip, or do you know going in? Generally we know going in. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah certain, certain areas in Barrie, I'll, I have no problem buying and uh, holding and because I'm not too worried, uh, too, too worried about the area as there's just, there's just one particular area in Barrie where it has a bad stigma from the eighties. And if you're, it's great place to buy, great place to rent. You get the same tenant profile as you do across the entire city, but it has a stigma. So if I know I'm purposely going to be flipping it, I would generally hesitate from buying in that area for a flip just because the, the agents really push that stigma. Hmm. What is the stigma? Well, so, you know, I, I believe most of these houses were built in the eighties and um, so there was a, you know, lower threshold or lower income say of the population so it was it's a rougher dynamic or it was a rougher diamond dynamic now but now they're they're more affordable they are affordable or more affordable they're definitely the i'd say first time home buyer um, level so 
just through natural, you know, um, reasons it is cleaning up. And, and there's, there's a couple streets in there. A hundred percent wouldn't buy on, but 99% or 90% of them I would. So you, you do buy if you're going to just hold and rent. hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> okay. So we sort of touched on the, uh, the, um, well, I mean, I guess we've really went through it. Uh, what you offer to the joint venture partners is the expertise basically of finding the right property that's going to appraise for those numbers that you said and, uh, and, and, and knowing what renovations need to be done in order to get it there. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, yeah. So what's, uh, I guess a little bit different than us. So what, when we started this uh, journey and since day one, we started hiring staff. So we've got in-house nine full-time renovators and then five ladies in the back office that uh, help manage and, and, you know, make sure that the books and the tracking of expenses are all uh, super tight. Um, but that, that really is a benefit, I think, to the investors as well, because we do this at cost. We don't uh, mark up our labor or our materials. So, you know, we're get, we're able to get things, uh, at least in our opinion, you know, they're, they're done on schedule and, you know, to the lowest price point that, I mean, at least I think we can do it. Um, yeah, so that's just a value add thing. And, and when we do, when we work with our investors and we, we hold these properties and manage them for long term, we also take the same approach to management. So we have a full, you know, all of our staff manage the properties in house, and all of that is also extended to the joint venture properties at cost. So there isn't necessarily a management fee. Um, we just basically, if if say we have to show the tenant or show a property and it takes two hours to show, and maybe say two month, two hours a month to pay the bills and accept the rents. Then that's exactly what we build a build a property um, just to do that, and so that allows you to focus on finding great properties, right? Which which I assume is probably your kind of focus, and and, and finding more partners to to do good deals with. That is a hundred percent my focus. Yeah, so that's a large large part of my responsibility. I do have the like the the renovation the team they they directly report to me, um, but then yeah, my primary focus is finding deals and dealing. Uh, like onboarding investors um, yeah. and just creating those relationships, educating them to a point where they can confidently go into to a real estate transaction with us. So this stuff wasn't all in place when you woke up the other day. No, <laughs> you had to build it into this. Yeah. So let's let's talk about the steps that you took um, to scaling to where you are. Okay. Yeah. So uh, my previous uh, employer was Hydra One. So. You know, they're, we're huge on safety um, and they have systems and processes for everything. So I, I was really used to that. And when we started out off with business and we, we hired our first admin in office and then started hiring our employees in the field, I, I took the same approach because, um, you know, although I know the systems and I know the processes, the only, you know, I can't expect everybody else to take on all that memory and all that knowledge. Um, so the only way to make sure that things get um, done properly and processes are followed and things aren't missed was to create checklists and systems for almost everything. So, um, you know, for an example, when we, when you go back into just the starting of the renovations, I was driving around like a crazy man every single night while I was working full time, picking up uh, materials, uh, looking for different materials, you know, Home Depot, Lowe's, all these different places. And then, you know, actually was, I'll uh, give the credit to Ian Zabo. When you, if you read his book, um, one of the things he did was go to the Home Depot and, and pick out all the SKUs that you want to use. 
So literally, you know, and, and still to this day, we've got our renovations and our materials systemized in such a way where it's the same material. Yeah, exactly. Renos to riches. So <laughs> same paint color, same cabinet, same kitchen counters, same faucet, same sink, same light, same, you name it, it's all the same. So um, again, that was again, one way to manage costs. No, everybody knows what we want, right? You're really just transferring what I've got in my brain onto paper and they can just follow it. So from, uh, from a back office perspective, um, you know, we've done everything. So from, from purchasing to, you know, ensuring that the joint venture documents and all the purchase documents, et cetera, are in a certain place and then they get uploaded onto the computer. So then they can be, you know, uh, looked at or found relatively quickly when requested um, to the renovations, to, um, um, you know, tenant placement, to accepting rents, paying bills, tracking expenses. There's systems in place uh, for all of that stuff. Um, and they're built because that's the kind of the foundation to scale. If you have, if you don't have this stuff and you buy 20 properties in one year, it's, you know, that, that, that tower is going to tip over when, you know, when documents are required. So I think that hits on one aspect of scale. I guess uh, the other aspect of with our ability to scale was um, our, we took on upon the strategy to hire and empower people. So, you know, there's only so much, so many hours in the day for Christy and I to do certain tasks. So, you know, if now we have um, 14, 15 ish people working for us, we're actually able to do 15 times the amount of work. So, uh, we've got two project managers. They have equal responsibility to manage the rest of the renovation staff. Uh, and then we also have a office manager um, and then delegated employees who look after different tasks required for uh, bookkeeping and tenant placement, as well as uh, dealing with tenant issues, make, uh, issues and calls and uh, communication. So having the ability to rely on people um, that are, you know, following your processes and systems really gave us, uh, you know, that ability to take on as many projects as we could. Awesome. And I guess in, in, uh, in working with a lot of people like that, you end up talking a lot about goals and goal setting, things like that with, with others and yourselves. I assume you have some models or systems around that probably. Um, how do you, how do you go about doing that? And how do you, you've done some pretty cool stuff for only being in this for really full on for what, four years now, um, doing three deals a month. Uh, I love the idea of systematizing and all that. I'm sure you have some goal setting tips that you could share with people as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, when we first started, you hear, you hear everybody, about you know, everybody says the importance of setting goals. Um, you know, back in the day we started with rain, it was, you know, what is your why, which I mean, we all need one. We all have to have one because it's, it's the reason why we work so hard is to, to get something or achieve something. Um, so when we started out, we actually created a dream board, Christy and I, and we still have that same, that is still only, the only dream board that we've created. Now we do know that we need to revisit that, but a lot of the things that we did actually put on there, I was like, there's no way any of this stuff is going to happen. Like in recent, in recent upcoming or say upcoming years. And it's amazing. You do that and uh, you, you set that vision and your why, then you really can't achieve it. Most about half the things on that vision board. Um, we were able to get. So the other thing, you know, Christy and I, um, obviously there, there is a lot of value I feel added when you can, when two people are pushing each other and working together uh, to one common goal. And I mean, you, you try to push that out to your entire team as well, right? If, if, if the entire 
company and all of our employees have the same goal, you know, say for an example of, you know, um, just making like one of our pri primary goals with our investors is to make sure that they, that we take care of their money, but like better than they could take care of it. So about in being super accountable for every dollar and trying to do things as, you know, frugal, but also, um, you know, with the best professionalism, et cetera, possible. So in our employees literally take that to heart. Um, so I probably am going off on a little bit of a tangent here, but yeah, so goal setting, I guess, you know, like, like that dream board was, was big for us. The number, you know, our number changed, our goal necessarily isn't like a dollar value. Uh, originally it was 12 properties when we, when we first started, it was, and Christy thought we were nuts. We're like, there's no way we are having 12 properties. And we got to like six. I'm like, we we're bumping it up to 20. And she's like, she's like, I'll quit. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. So it's like a, there's like a bit of a yin and a yang in our relationship. Um, but it's amazing. You get to one goal. Once you uh, accomplish a few goals, you realize that we are generally setting our goals a little low. Um, and I, I mean, I think you, you guys have probably heard of like the 10x rule. Um, and now I'm really getting, my eyes are really opening up to the ability that we can achieve so much more. We just have to put our mind to it. Um, so if you kind of follow the Grant Cardone thing, if, if say you say your, your goal is to do a, a thousand units, well, let's face it, if you get to 300 units, you blow in, you know, 90% of the people are, or not blowing your expectations originally out of the park. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, most people set pretty realistic goals. I mean, like five years, you can accomplish so much, right? I think, you know, you do something pretty, what you might think is crazy in one year. And then if you can do that, like what you can do in the next five is just going to be a hundred times what you've actually maybe originally thought. Absolutely. People yeah. always underestimate what you can do in, in like a five-year time frame. I agree. Um, usually overestimate what they can do in one year, actually, and underestimate the five. Yep. What are some challenges? Obviously, you've had some challenges um, and, um, and overcame a lot to, to get to where you are. Nobody, nobody uh, you know, succeeds at a high level without going through some challenges. So what have been some of the big ones and how did you get through them? Yeah, so... Um, like for, we've never really lost on a deal that we've, that we've actually purchased. Like one of the worst ones was probably that when I said that we converted, plan was to convert to a duplex. Turns out you couldn't convert it into triplex or just, it was, sorry, it was just a single family home flip. You know, didn't make very much money. Another single family home didn't make very much money. Um, but more recently, so again, we set goals and we push ourselves to new limits and generally when you're getting that first, you know, you're doing that first deal that's outside of your box, your norm, um, you know, that is where the failures are going to happen. And I can be honest. So I, uh, so we tied up this church for $1.2 million. The intention was to uh, convert it into like 15, 16 units. So we started down that road, uh, likely didn't do as much due diligence. Well, the due diligence required for this type of a commercial property for financing and development is, is like, hundred times for like a single family home conversion to a duplex or even a triplex. So, um, so we went down the road, we started with a phase one environmental, did the phase two that cost us 20 grand. Uh, you know, we did uh, homes or um, a, uh, an appraisal. That was another three grand. There's something else that was three grand. We're about 30 grand into this. And then, you know, you talk to one person at the city and it, they said, no, it wouldn't trigger development fees. And then you talk to another person. They said, no, because you're changing the use of the church or intensifying, uh, sensitizing the use. Um, 
that is what triggers development fees. So the development fees on the church uh, ended up, they were going to be $400,000. And so, you know, in my eyes, I'm like, okay, there's, you know, the church is 1.2, the renovation I thought was about 1.4 million. Now you add another 400,000. That, that was my wiggle room and my buffer for air anywhere else. So we ultimately, we, we walked on the church. Um, we had a clause in there that allowed us to do that based on certain findings in a phase two. So we're able to get out of the deal, but you still have costs associated to the environmental. So that was about a $30,000 30, uh, loss. Um, and I mean, it's the way I guess I look at it. It's a, it's a, I have a liver or what is it? Uh, um, winner learn mindset. So, I mean, it's, it's a loss financially. I, I learned a ton during the process. Um, obviously would approach it totally different the next time because I'm sure there will be a next time, but, um, yeah. So, I mean, the way, other way I look at it is I didn't go to college or university, so it's just part of my education. <laughs> mm-hmm. Did they did they have any grants that were possible with that? And they yeah, didn't so, for it. Yeah, that was one thing that I I was well advised. The lady at the development office said you could ask them about the grants, and there was, but not until uh, 2020. So the money had been the pot had been used up for 2019. Um, yeah, so. I mean, it's an ongoing issue. I have been to the city of Barrie on some development topics and they, and they are looking at trying to address that, especially for these types of developments where they're creating affordable housing. But, you know, they're talking about a pot and, and then it's just like, okay, well, how, who's going to get that pot? And uh, I, don't, I wouldn't say that you'd want to rely on the pot, like to help with development fees. Um, at least I wouldn't. But No. So... Yeah, so I would say that was that was a fairly that was a pretty big learning curve, um, in in all um, all perspective, probably a failure. Um, well, kind of learn we live and learn, but you know what? There's lots of people that spend twenty, thirty thousand dollars on education just from sitting down into a conference room with somebody. So I wouldn't say that you know digging into something like this and coming up the amount that you've learned is probably at least as much, if not more than some might learn in one of those conferences. So yeah, that's true. you know what we all live and learn. And I just, that's the price of the education. Yep. That's the way I look at it anyway. Yeah, no, I agree. Makes sense. Uh, okay. Next question we've got for you is you have a property management company now. Yeah. Yeah. So we launched yeah, live with BK. Up. Yeah. We launched live with BK property management four months ago ish. And uh, so we had always, managed our own portfolio and our investors portfolio so currently we have about 165 units um in our portfolio um and so what we actually did so in 2018 chrissy and i were cruising around the bahamas and in the florida keys for about six months of the year and so we thought at the time okay how can we lighten the load for our staff how can we lighten the load for christy so she can actually enjoy her time down there when we were away it was like two weeks on two weeks off kind of uh um that we were away. So we thought, okay, well, let's hire a property manager. So, okay, so that's fine. We knew a property manager in town. We moved our portfolio or our personal properties over to this person. And uh, that's fine. So anyway, about within six months, the, what the ultimate uh, thing that happened was we had two evictions and then there was two other units where our staff went to do maintenance to the property um, where the tenants were just gone. 
Um, and I, and so that's basically four evictions or four, you know, vacant units, two evictions truly, and two just disappeared tenants. And, and we didn't know about this. We weren't told about this, you know, property manager didn't know about the two vacant units. They placed the two eviction tenants. I'm like, is this the best option out here? I, and, uh, you know, we have a fairly, we have a really good track record. We've only had to evict one person. Um, and that was before we started say, re, um, real estate investing like a business. So we just said, you know what, let's offer, let's make sure that we can offer a better service. And so that's, that's where we came up with it. That, that initially got, gave us the, the reasoning to do it is to make sure that we could provide something better if that's the best that was out there. Um, so yeah, we launched it where, you know, um, so we're, we're, we're um, looking after properties or managing properties across Simcoe County. So throughout the areas that we invest, we, we obviously, we know the markets very well because we invest in them ourselves. Uh, we are offering um, uh, renovation and, and uh, maintenance services as well in-house, which is, I think, a, a value added. Uh, so, you know, ten, the, the uh, landlords don't need to deal with it themselves. If there is a vacancy, then, you know, we can get our team in there basically the day or the day after uh, the tenants move out, do painting, et cetera. So, you know, we're, the typical property management uh, fees are, are applied. We can just simply place tenants, um, uh, at, you know, a one-time thing, or we can do the full-on property management where we accept the rents, pay the bills, you know, deal with all the tenant issues and complaints, um, do inspections, maintenance, renovations, et cetera. So we're excited to, uh, to scale that, uh, that business and add a, add a good service to the market. Right on, right on. So that is called BK Property Management? Live with BK Property Management. Live with BK property management. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure there's some people in the area that'll be reaching out to you and, uh, and we'll have all your info in the show notes. So that'll be good. Now, um, let's, what do you think is your biggest tip that you can leave with people to, in regards to not treating, uh, real estate investing as a hobby more as a business? Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing you need to realize is that, you know, if you have one property, you have income, right? Coming in and you have expenses, income and expenses, that's a business, right? So, and I mean, the people that are, are going to give uh, real estate investing the bad name or the horror stories that you're going to hear are from real estate investors who don't treat it like a business, who are, you know, hobby real estate investors, for example. We were there once, we had snakes in the wall. Um, we evicted that tenant and it cost a ton of money and a ton of renovations. And then we treated it like a business. We educated ourselves. Um, and that's the biggest thing is education removes a lot of the barriers and it removes most of the risks associated to investing. So I guess, you know, in essence, that would probably be it as educate yourself properly. Um, and I mean, it's all at our fingertips. Listen to this podcast. You guys, if you, you know, if somebody listened to all your podcasts, they would know most of what you need to know, right? Um, all the Canadian books. If you educate yourself, you're going to remove most of the risks associated to, to, uh, to investing. Well, there's one thing we got to clear up for them then, or at least for me. So what, um, when you say snakes in the wall, is that, is that like, a, is that a literal thing? Or is that yeah, that, a, I was thinking the same thing. Is that like a, is that a line I've never heard before? No, that's literally like, <laughs> Yeah. So this was, again, this is, so we had two properties when we first started or no, we just by accident, Christy and I had two, two properties before we started investing properly or like a business. Um, and so 
yeah, boyfriend moves out, typical scenario, boyfriend moves out, girlfriend can't, or the, you know, the lady couldn't afford rent. She stops, she starts paying late, eventually it drags on. I'm like, okay, I gotta go check this place out. So I go check it out, do, do uh, a walkthrough. You know, I didn't get proper notice. So like, cause I just text her and I walk in there and the house is absolutely destroyed. It has these two massive blood pythons in the basement. This is kind of a, might go off on a bit of a tangent here. And it's kind of a funny story. So two blood pythons in the basement, house is actually absolutely destroyed, dog hair, dog stuff everywhere. I'm like, so I call the self-help, and this is another good tip for people that are self-managing. There's a landlord self-help phone number. Google that. Like it's free, it's free for us, right? So there's, I think they're lawyers. So they can advise. So I call this, this self-help line and they say, okay. Oh, and there was a gun. There was a gun in the house. And I didn't know if the gun was real. I, it looked real to me. So I, I uh, called the cops and I no, no. She said, don't, okay. She said, let's start again. Let's pretend you didn't see any of this because you didn't get proper <laughs> notice. Go write a notice and stick it to the door. So I did that. And then I showed up to reinspect it the next day with proper notice. Then I called the cops and the cops came determined that the gun wasn't, uh, was, it was like a, fake look it was like a real looking bb gun um but then also determined that the blood pythons were illegal in barry so i ended up getting her out because of that but when we went back to look at with the the bylaw officer went back to look at them she hid the snakes in the walls of the, of the house so yeah watch out for snakes in the walls and they couldn't find them <laughs> no they ended up getting them out i realized this after after when she had moved out and we had to fix the house and I'm like, what? And that's what it was. She had cut holes in the back of the, the back wall behind the uh, shower faucet and slid them down there and then cut a hole at the bottom to take them back out. Interesting. Yeah. And so uh, just to clarify, that's before that's you're treating it as a hobby at this point. That was pre, <laughs> yeah, pre yeah. that was hobby, hobby investing. Yeah. I don't okay. know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if going, yeah, let's just try this again tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Probably not the best idea for uh, uh. listening to this. Yeah. Um, no, that's, that's a funny story though. Um, at least you got them out. Yeah, we got them out. That's right. And I actually was able to garnish your wages and get all the money back. So. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. At least you had a job. That can be tough. At least yeah. snakes weren't locked in there or, or <laughs> You know, they didn't come out, come crawling out when the next person moved in or something. Right. Yeah. Oh, very good. Um, let's hear about this training system you're working on or you're developing here for for investors. Uh, you've got something coming out in the new year, so that'll be in 2020. Yeah. 2020. So, yeah. So Christy and I, again, we've talked about systems on this earlier, but uh, we're, so we're big system people. We've we've spoke at different events. Uh, we were just at the right club last weekend. She talked for about 20 minutes on systems. I talked about scaling through staff and uh, um, just your strategy. But the the, um, the feedback from people, and I, I think it's an ongoing challenge in, that we hear is that, you know, how to, how can you scale and like, how do you keep everything straight in your finances? And, and, uh, and, and uh, so Christy's talked about systems and people are absolutely blown away about it. You know, generally I think that's a struggle that people have. So, the feedback really opened our eyes to the point that, listen, we need to truly offer an amazing uh, course, teach people, give people the, 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 the uh, systems that we have and, and give them coaching on how they can tailor it to their business. 
Um, so that's our plan. Um, you know, I'm a type of guy where if I get an idea, it's like, how fast can we implement this? Let's get it done. Like that's how things get done. So we've actually booked the trip, just Christy and I, it's a work trip to, uh, Mexico on the 21st of November, seven days, and we'll be coming back out with the content. So we have, you know, we have the systems and, and uh, my background is creating content and training for Hydro One. That's what I did in a training center. So um, yeah, so by, you know, December, mid-December, we plan to have it uh, um, start a, probably a, what do they call that? A pilot. And then January, we hope to have it uh, be able to roll it out and start offering it to uh, to other investors to help them run their business. That is amazing. You'll have to let us know when it comes out. Make sure you let I us will. know. And we can post links for that too. Yeah, that's uh, great. There's not a, not a ton of uh, education around that. I think the system side, which is what you need to, to, to scale it to, to where you guys are and beyond. Like yes, definitely need it. A lot, a lot of people miss that part. That's something I struggle with a lot uh, for mm. sure. So I, I'd, be, I'd be interested in, in learning about it when it comes out. Yeah, great. Yeah, I'll keep you guys in post posted for sure. Um, Brady, uh, you haven't been out to Durham REI, have you? I have not. Because I mean, like you run in the sort of the same circles as Brennan's there all the time. Uh, yeah, you know what? Uh, you know what? It's kind of weird. Like, well, I'm, I, you know, I'm always looking back at where we were, and as you're, you know, as you're growing through this, you know, life of ours. And I'm looking back and, and I honestly, I, and I'm just going to be brutally honest here. Well, I think like we're so in focus in our business. It's like, of just, we had this like funnel strategy where we had one strategy, we perfected it. It's like, it's all you need to do is just keep doing that strategy. But then, you know, as you grow into different aspects of life, you realize that, that, that you need relationships, you need to be out there and keep growing. And so we found ourselves in a silo. So we really didn't go to any meetups for probably the last year and a half, two years. Mm-hmm. Um, now, looking back, I can see that was a mistake because now I had need to like, you know, we're looking to scale in multiple different avenues and uh, the relationships are everything. So you will be seeing me there. That's the moral of the story. <laughs> right on. Well, I mean, you've got a lot to share. And if you guys presented at Right Club, maybe I can, maybe I can talk to them about having you present there too. Absolutely. We'd love to. Okay, cool. Uh, you can also just listen to this show too and get all the stuff you need. You got Andrew, you got the Zabo, you got all that stuff, right? So yeah, hopefully that's helped you. Hopefully it helps others. It's great to have you on here. How can people get in touch with you? Yeah, so my personal cell phone number, you can actually have it, 705. I'm going to give it out because nobody's going to call me anyway because most people don't, but 705, 705-795-1140. That's my personal cell phone number. My email, Brady at B-K-R-E-I and uh, .ca. And then you can check us out on Facebook. We got live with BK property management, BK real estate investing. Who should call you? Who, who, who should call you? Who, who, who do you want to connect with? Um, you know, I, I'd like to, you know, obviously if you are interested in entertaining the idea of getting into uh, real estate, hands-free joint ventures, um, I don't have a ton of time for coaching. I have no problem answering a few phone calls though. Like I, when I, when I was starting my growth period, I needed somebody to just to bounce a few quick phone calls off or questions off of, got me over that hurdle and keep going. So I have no problem anybody calling me for those types of reasons. Um, and then, you know, if you want to start, you know, get together and learn about the very market, realtors love, you know, talking and, and uh, working with realtors to help service their clients from the property management aspect, or even, 
an educational aspect. If, you know, somebody's looking to come to Barry, I think there's a lot of value added. Uh, like if I could help realtors with their investment clients, there's a lot of value added by, you know, sitting down for an hour and talking about the basics of real estate investing from a third, third point, uh, third uh, point of view. Um, you know, that can really add value. And I think we can add value in everybody's relationships there. So. That's awesome. great. That's great. And we'll have all the links to all of those things in our show notes. So, um, so you'll be able to easily access it over at breakthrough podcast.ca. Thanks Brady, man. This has been awesome. Appreciate yeah. Thanks it. a lot, Rob. Appreciate, yeah, appreciate, uh, it, yeah. appreciate this. It's been great. Sandy, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, two, eight, nine, three, eight, nine, six, eight, four, six, or info at McKay realty network.com. And you, you can reach me at, uh, Jeez, I always do the podcast, but I'm going to start doing my own. Rob at MrBreakthrough.ca. Easy one. Awesome. Good stuff, guys. Uh, Perfect. And thanks for everyone for listening, and we'll see you again next time. Okay, thanks a lot, guys.